Welcome to episode 42 of Behaviorally Speaking, a podcast featuring board-certified behavior analysts Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. On this episode, they answer questions submitted by listeners like you. And now, here are your hosts, Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. Hello, and welcome to our 42nd episode of Behaviorally Speaking. I'm one of your hosts, Angela Nelson, board-certified behavior analyst and mother of two. And I'm Kristen Bondi, also a board-certified behavior analyst and mother of three. Hey, Angie, what's up? How's it going? Hey, we were just talking about the new puppy that my yes. family got, which is... Baby Everest. Like, yes, baby Everest. It's like having a another actual human baby. It's, uh, yeah, he wakes up maybe every two hours or so. Mm. So it's... <laughs> oh. oh, I forgot about that. Village. Yeah. I actually, because I was saying like, well, you know, it's not, ours wasn't so bad, but... You're right. I forgot about that. And we ha- we got our puppy before we had kids. And so, like, I wasn't used to the night wakings. <laughs> After you have babies, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's like a thing. But when you yeah. have a puppy and you're not used to it. Um, and then the other thing, too, was like the really early wakings mm-hmm. i remember i was like five o'clock. What is this? But then, <laughs> you know, of course, after having kids, it's like you're super, super desensitized to that. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. He- he up at like, you know. Yep. He's up very early. He's so cute. But Aww. yeah. But uh we're you know, we'll get we'll get the hang of it. Yeah. yeah. Are your so. kids like so so excited? Are yeah. Are they like playing they with are. him constantly and like trying to train yeah. him and teach him all the tricks? Yeah, he they trained him how to do his sits and Aww. stay and so yeah, it's oh, that's good. All in all, it's going well. It's just a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. That's the nice thing about having bigger kids, though, I think, right? Because, like, a lot of times people will get puppies when they still have little kids, and then you can't even shift any of the responsibility onto the children. Right. So, yeah. It's yeah. smart for you guys to wait a little yeah. bit until they they've were got, older. <laughs> yeah. They've got their chores already. Really. Yeah. Baby, baby yeah. Everest. Oh, so, cute. Ways. Well, let's get Fun. into it. This is going to be a unique podcast we haven't done any episodes like this this is going to be what we what we're calling our grab bag episode where (laughs) we got emails from our listeners and so we've kind of taken an amalgam of questions and kind of sorted through and looked at the ones that came in the most from our letter writers so um yeah we've compiled some some really good ones some big hits and some answers for you today and we're excited to, to dive into these Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we tried to add in, add in some variety where we could. Um, and, and this first one, I was looking at this earlier, and this first one just makes me giggle because I feel like my husband could write this one um, <laughs> sometimes when he, he comes into the kitchen during dinner. Um, but <laughs> so the first question written in is, my house is always chaotic and it's hard to keep some sort of structure. What am I doing wrong and how can I regain some control? Ah, <laughs> yes. I think sometimes this is related to maybe the number of uh, people in your house, if you have mm-hmm. pets. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there are different factors. But yeah, absolutely. We see this quite a bit. I think it also kind of depends on personality type a little bit, right? Some people mm-hmm. are a lot more bothered by chaos and clutter and things like that mm. than others. Yeah. Others a are point. a little bit more just kind of like, you know, go with the flow. But Mm-hmm. Um, I think all in all, when we were reading this this question, we talked about a couple things. So 
structure is really, really important, right? So if you are somebody that's feeling like, gosh, my environment is chaotic or with all the, you know, people and uh-huh. beings in my house, things are just, you know, it's it's hard. There's really no structure. Uh, we want to kind of rein that in, right? And think about how can we create some structure? And a couple of ways to consider that and to, to kind of integrate that into your environment are setting expectations, right? So setting uh-huh. expectations around bedtime, um, rules, chores, just making sure that people know what they're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. right? If people are, uh, you've got kids that are inviting their friends over after school and all these things, it's probably time to say, hey, not the expectations are you guys come home, you have a snack, you do your homework first. We don't need, you know, 10 kids running around at 3.30 in the afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. So to you know, create some clear expectations. Have a routine. Also, some families will use visual supports. Um, you know, some will just have a list. They'll use a, a dry erase board or a calendar. And, uh, you know, some families will even go a little bit more high tech and they'll have some sort of sheet that they can share on the computer, especially if you have older kids, mm-hmm. of what the routine yeah. is. Yeah. So having some sort of visuals to help and then integrating some consequences, right? So if we don't um, all participate in the family household management or mm-hmm. we're not following through with expectations and we're kind of adding to the chaos the chaos then you know then maybe there are consequences maybe um we're gonna have to spend saturday doing our tours because we didn't get them done during the week or you know whatever whatever it is but just consequences kind of go along with structure go along with routines expectations those things are all very much intertwined Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Two of the things you mentioned, I think, came up this week on my calls with parents. Oh. Um, and one being this parent actually came up with a pretty good strategy um, where you had mentioned, you know, everybody in the in the neighborhood wanting to come over and play and all this stuff. And so the mom actually was able to coordinate with the neighbors, which, of course, mm-hmm. this is not always going to be the case. Right. But this mom in particular was able to coordinate with the neighbors and say, OK, we're going to have like play days Wednesday and Friday. Um, the mm-hmm. other days, like we're, we just can't do that because my daughter's not getting her schoolwork done and so on. And so that actually mm-hmm. worked out really nicely for them. Oh, yeah. So I thought that was really cool. That's good. Yeah. I got to tell my friend that my friend is a, a teacher at the school. And mm-hmm. so all the neighborhood kids know her. They're always going to her house. And she's like, oh, yeah. Uh, my, <laughs> it's. It, I think it's going to be great when they're teenagers, right? Because they oh, have yeah. a safe environment. They, they know where their kids are. But yeah, maybe she can integrate some sort of uh-huh. you know, schedule with the, the, the neighbors. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then one other thing I'd probably add to this one is a lot of times parents, they'll come up with a really good idea, like you said, right? Let's get some structure going and then they start too big. So they're mm-hmm. not able to follow through with it. So my advice is pick <laughs> one thing. And I usually tell parents, either pick the one that's the easiest for you in order uh, you know, to get get things kind of you know, more regulated or pick the one that is the most chaotic for you mm-hmm. but personality, right? So if it's like yeah. the evening routine, the after school routine, for example, somewhere within there, if that's the one where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. this is where there's no structure, it's really chaotic, that's where we add it in. And mm-hmm. I, I can't even make this up, but this morning I had a call yeah. with a parent who we were going exactly through this with her. She has three girls. Um, after school routine and what we said was let's let's have them write out their routine 
They can decorate it, like they could make it really cool. And then at the end of that, let's put some sort of reward, right? So what could they get at the end of the day? Similar to what you said earlier, what can they get if they just get all these things done uh, and just really make this crystal clear? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Definitely helps to keep keep the chaos down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. All right, cool. Well, so obviously that's not an exhaustive list, but hopefully a couple things just to help you kind of manage the chaos. We know it's it's hard with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's move on to the next one. This one came up from quite a few families, actually. Um, so this question here is, my kids are so much better behaved at school than at home with me. What's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and this one kind of feels so closely related to the first one, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, essentially, I wonder if those kids that <laughs> the kids in the first question are yeah. are just doing really well in school. Uh, yeah, you're right. This one we hear a lot. Like this one comes up quite a bit. And one of the one of the answers I usually give to parents for this one is, you know, schools they're they're really predictable, right? Mm-hmm. They've got even depending on the age, you've got visual supports showing you, okay, this is the time that you're going here. Or if you're even older, you've got like a printed out schedule, and everything is just predictable and structured. And then when you get home, potentially, that might not be the case. And so Mm -hmm. kids just kind of let loose. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Speaking of getting home. So that's kind of the other side of this too, right? They, they have the structure. They, schools are very, very consistent, um, Mm -hmm. predictable. And they're also, they're coming home. They, um, I was just listening to a podcast. This, they see podcasts I've been telling you about that I really like, Dr. Lisa Demore, mm-hmm. um, Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. Love that mm-hmm. podcast. She was talking about kind of talking to two sides of your teen, for example, right? There's a teen that's maybe frustrated, but then there's the teen that the teen that's maybe hurting, right? And so, um, mm. you know, looking at, like if let's say they yell at the, their sibling or something, they might be frustrated about something else and it's kind of manifesting in this sibling rivalry, right? So I'm thinking about, you know, the side of your teen that is trying so hard to keep it all together in public or in school and they're feeling stressed, they're feeling pressure, and then they get home and it's their safe space. So they kind of just let it out, right? Mm-hmm. And that's maybe where they're giving an attitude or fighting with siblings, just being, you know, um, kind of your interactions are more challenging. This can be hard as they start to get older as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I really like how Dr. Demore was saying like, Talk to that side of your your child. Talk to the that side where the side that they're they're tired and they've just been trying to keep it together. And that might help you to better understand that it's not that they're trying intentionally to be bad with you at home, but oftentimes it's just that they've they're expending so much energy trying to do the right thing and follow all the rules and, you know, use their manners and <laughs> follow uh-huh. the strict routines and then they get home and it's just like they have to kind of let it out. So we see that a lot. Yeah. And I think also with this, I think sometimes kids, along with like they're trying to keep it together, but I think part of it too is they get so overstimulated at school, yeah. right? So my kids have told me, so, you know, my young, my middle child is in kindergarten and, and after the first like week and a half of school, she came home and she was That's- like, what? is this cafeteria thing it is <laughs> so loud <laughs> and i was like yes. i know and For she sure. had never experienced that before and so she the first couple <laughs> weeks of kindergarten when she came home she was a terror 
And, you know, I kind of being in the field I'm in, I understood it. I knew it. And I, I did mm-hmm. kind of lead with empathy, like you said. But it's it's interesting to, I mean, that's definitely a, a part of it, right? Like kids can yeah. get overstimulated and then they get home and then they're just like, ah, and they just <laughs> kind of let it all go. So yeah. so, yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. And I was also going to mention that this mm-hmm. makes me think about our last episode that we did on teens. And how to one of the tips we gave was like, don't take it personally. Right. So, of course, you're going to get frustrated when your your kid says like, I hate you. You're the worst. Right. Like, yes, you can get frustrated there. But I think the bigger thing here is to understand, well, what is actually going on? Right. Mm -hmm. So why Mm -hmm. are they, you know, lashing out at home? There's got to be another reason. So I think that's a good call out. Yeah. It's not that they're a bad kid. Right. It's there's something going on. And come from uh-huh. a place of curiosity. I will say, of course, I, I imagine you're going to agree with me here. Like, keep, you know, consistent rules, right? If they break the oh, yeah. rules, they're being disrespectful. They're yelling, they're screaming, they're doing, you know, maybe they're even uh-huh. you know, getting physical with their siblings. You have to still be consistent. But you said, like you said, lead with empathy, you know, understand that, hey, believe it or not, kids and teens, they have a lot of stress too. So <laughs> be curious about uh-huh. maybe what is going on under the hood. Yeah, I was just thinking, I'm going to sidebar for a second, but you will appreciate this. So I was just thinking, um, we, so my daughter, she, as I said, she's five, right? So she, she's like getting over the hump of the tantrums, but they still happen every now and then. And we still see them like around dinner time. And last night, I'm not even kidding. Like she had one. um, And I was telling my husband about like, you know, how to lead with empathy when she's having a fit. And I was like, you can say like, I know you're frustrated. And you know, here's what you can do with your frustrate when you're frustrated. And it was just so funny because he was like, he he said something like, um, let me try it or something like that. And and it's funny so because he he tried like saying, like, I know you're really frustrated right now. And she kind of just like looked at him like, oh. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> um, I, I just was thinking about that. So I was laughing because I was like, it's so funny. I feel like sometimes as a parent, if you change your behavior, then she like snapped right out of it, too. She was mm-hmm. like, oh. Oh, she's curious about dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I just left because it was so related, but I, because it's so it's appropriate <laughs> to keep like, yeah, to keep your your rules and your boundaries. But I think sometimes yeah. thinking about how am I reacting when these right. things are happening too can be can be absolutely. huge. Can be yeah, huge, absolutely. So. Yeah. OK, well, the next one here, this one, um, this one comes in a lot. <laughs> I will say I've heard this on parent calls and, and quite a few people ask this. So I don't think my kid has ADHD, like the doctor said, because he can focus on video games for hours. Can you explain this? Mm, Yes, this is a good one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We do hear this quite a bit. So for families that are maybe nodding with this one, I think it's Mm -hmm. really important to gather more education for yourself around ADHD, right? There are, we know that some kids can actually really focus very intently on certain things that kind of spur their motivation or they're mm-hmm. really interested in, just certain things that maybe they're very good at. And they can really go in deep and be very, very into it. So just because your child is really focused on one area and not focused on the other, you know, you you don't want to make the uh, make some assumptions, right? So I think it's really, really important to understand what ADHD is. We're actually creating a, a bunch of new content to dive really deeply into ADHD because it is a big group of uh, families that we work with. Um, But also, you know, the CDC, American Academy of Pediatrics, they have really great sites that kind of go into what ADHD is. So yeah, I I think the first thing is just, you know, provide more education around what it is and um, maybe dispel some myths or miscommunication around 
uh, what it is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the term, you know, that comes up a lot is is they can hyper focus, right? So mm-hmm. hyper focus essentially means, yeah, this is I can zone in on what interests me, and I can spend hours doing that. And sometimes this is a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing for kids. You know, it's a good thing if they can hyper focus on that science project because they really want to get it done and they did really well because they're motivated by it and they love science, right? (laughs) But it's maybe not such a good thing if they're hyper focused on video games when they should be doing their science project or, you know, they kind of laser focus and they forget, oh no, I didn't eat lunch today or I forgot, you know, I'm not taking care of myself because I'm just zoned in on Mm -hmm. something. Um, Mm -hmm. We hear about this a lot too, uh, with kids who, um, who who kind of focus in on their grades, right? So we could see sometimes kids will not give themselves any grace if they get like a little bit below an A, right? Because they're so focused on yeah. that grade. And I get, I think that could be detrimental too. So, so yeah, I, I definitely think getting more information and understanding the ADHD brain a little bit better could be mm-hmm. helpful. So like yeah. you said, we're not jumping to conclusions. Right. So um, I know we've mentioned these two sites, but I, I put in here, you know, we've got a couple sites that I we reference often, and they do a really good job explaining this. So one being understood.org. If you've mm-hmm. listened to our podcast for the last several years, you know, we've re- referenced them quite a bit, but their site's really great because you can type in anything you're looking for, and then they're going to give you all different, says, all different kinds of resources and tools. So that one is uh, good yeah. to get some more information. And then also Attitude. It's Attitude Magazine, but you can look mm-hmm. up their site. And it's add, like A-D-D, Itude. Right. So like think of Attitude, but that's how it's spelled. And they do a really good job too of just like breaking these concepts down a little bit further for people. Yeah, that's great. I'm a big fan of, you know, education, like training uh-huh. and education. Right. But it yeah. definitely helps to kind of better understand your child. If they get that diagnosis, okay. Let's learn all about it. Let's learn ways to to help them reach their top potential, you know, top potential. So, mm-hmm. right. Um, yep, exactly. Right. So let's get into the next one. This we're going to segue and go into a different direction now. Uh, this letter writer says, "My kid is eight and is still wetting the bed. Should I be concerned?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good question. So, the first thing we want to do. I always say, right, with this is, well, we have to check with the doctor, right? So first right. thing, let's get some medical guidance. Let's see what they have to say. And most medical professionals are going to say, we're not concerned until 10. That's usually yeah. the, what we hear uh, because it's not concerning until then. But it might not be medically concerning, but it still could be concerning to parents, right? So yeah. I feel like essentially this writer is saying, should you know, they're they're not doing it yet. Should I be concerned for other reasons too? And I think one mm-hmm. of the my mind kind of goes to other social implications, right? So right. if your family chooses to do sleepovers, right? If you've got mm-hmm. family coming in town, your the cousins are coming to visit, right? Mm-hmm. And potentially your child is not is still wetting is still wetting the bed, right? They're all sharing a room. There could certainly be some your your child could be worried about that, and and therefore as a parent you're worried, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I definitely think they're. Uh, certainly get medical guidance first, but but then looking into some other things. Yeah, absolutely. I think it depends too if it's a it's been a consistent thing. Mm, that's mm-hmm. different, right? But if they're right. suddenly starting to wet the bed, oh yeah, that's something yeah. else, right? There right. could be mm-hmm. severe stress. There could be trauma. There could be you know a UTI. There, there's yeah, a lot that's of a good call out. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily you know severe things, right? Like so. 
yeah, I think definitely talk with your doctor first. And you, you, they're going to ask you probably like, is this an ongoing thing or because mm-hmm. that's really going to drive kind of the, the the future steps of how you would address it. Um, also, too, you know, some of the stuff's regulated by your body or hormones, right? Mm-hmm. And some doctors will even prescribe medication and so on. A lot of kids are just really deep sleepers. And mm-hmm. most right. of the time they do grow out of it at some point. Um, in terms of things to do, though, home home things to consider, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're keeping track of liquids before bed. You want to limit liquids. We don't want our kids to get dehydrated, of course, if you're worried about that. Make sure that they're drinking plenty early in the day. Maybe after dinner, there's there's no more liquids, right? Protect the bed. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, our, everybody in our family, I, we like, I, I just for some reason get so hot at night and I'm like sweating, right? I want to protect our mattresses so all the beds in our house have a mattress pad or a mattress mm-hmm. cover yeah just to yeah. waterproof and when the kids transition from cribs to their twin beds they they had you know mattress pads those are great right you can keep a nice clean mattress um so make sure that you've got that they're they're pretty cheap mm-hmm. um help them help change the sheets too right and this is not a kind of a punishment sort of thing this is just them kind of getting the process of being involved in this right so they're they're helping to kind of be a part of this process clean the sheets and put them in the laundry and so on um it's also really important not to shame your child so they in and i would say the vast majority of the cases they cannot control this right, right? they're either mm-hmm. in deep sleep or something happened or you know there could be a, a variety of different reasons but be really careful not to shame them that's really easy especially when they start getting older to your point, Kristen, too, like there mm-hmm. might be some social implications. What if somebody right. finds out? That's that can be devastating if that gets around. Yeah. You know, the upper grades, right? So the last thing you want to do is shame your child. They can't. That's not something that they're doing on purpose. Um, and then take data on when it happens. If you're noticing that it's only happening on certain days of the week, maybe it's just on the weekend. Well, maybe mm-hmm. they're staying up late and they're watching movies and they're drinking, you know, a little bit later and having snacks and salty mm-hmm. popcorn yeah. or something like that <laughs> right so just keep track of what's happening they also have bed wetting alarms so as soon as um the alarm kind of senses some moisture it'll go off and it could help your child kind of rouse from their deep sleep and go uh you know finish in the, the uh, toilet mm-hmm. and then you know addressing like i said before if there's any emotional trauma or anything else that may have happened kind of severe stress um, this is usually the case if you just start to see it happen on a ma- you know, all of a sudden. Um, there may be right. something that happened. So you wanna, you know, make sure that you're kind of being curious and it, it, especially if you don't, if you're not aware of something, you know, be be curious, asking your child, um, see if you can kind of get to the root cause of uh-huh. the bed Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And I was just thinking something that's related to this is I'll often get parents ask me. You know, my child is still wearing the night night diaper because they are wetting the bed. And then the, I guess a follow up question is, well, should we just remove that and just kind of do all the things that you just said? Right. Um, and I will say I actually had a case of a family I was working with and the daughter, we did this. Right. So we were like, you know, mm-hmm. what? let's just let's let's remove it and see what happens. Let's set her up for success. Like all the things you mentioned. And yeah. it turns out that well, actually rewind. First, we did a little bit of an assessment to see like was she, the mom would go in, we wanted to check in the middle of the night. Like, is she mm-hmm. going in the middle of the night or is she going in the morning? 
Yeah. And it turns out that she was going in the morning. So it was a little bit easier for us to make some behavioral changes here. So then the mm-hmm. mom in the morning would immediately say, okay, go to the bathroom, right? And then so she could do that. But then once we had some success there, then we just removed it. And, yeah. it, and she did great. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like obviously this is a case-by-case scenario on your child and getting to understand, you know, what, what would be best here. But I think sometimes to your point of, well, have them help you change the sheets, I think allows them to kind of take some ownership, right? Like, yeah. this is something I'm working on and that's okay. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a really good message to send. Yeah, I had a couple similar cases to that, actually. They, mm-hmm. they you know, of course, I totally understand the parents' perspective. They wanted to protect the the mattress and stuff. So they just had those overnight diapers and they were just mm-hmm. hanging on to those. And right. we, just, we just tried to eliminate them and they weren't having accidents anymore. Yeah. You know, yep. and so the parents were flabbergasted. <laughs> so uh-huh. there's, there's, also, I mean, this is such an individualized totally. uh, situation, but there are a lot of things that you can do um, to kind of move forward. So yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh. We, we even do a podcast on, on uh, like potty training and bedwetting yeah. and things like that. Cause yeah, you know, we've done it in work and also <laughs> as that parents. That a really good one. I don't think we've done that actually. Yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. make a note. Add that to our list. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, we've got a couple more. So uh, the next one being, it seems like my child isn't motivated to make friends. Mm. How much should I push her? So this is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. Definitely a good one. So I think folks that have listened to Behaviorally Speaking for a while won't be surprised by this to uh, this (laughs) kind of kickoff statement, which is let's start assessing the why. Uh Um, Why? do we think or maybe even asking our child right why do we think that they're not quote unquote motivated that's kind of an interesting word too right Mm -hmm. is it that they're not motivated is there something else going on maybe they are motivated so i don't know how yeah yeah i kind of read this one a few ways Mm -hmm. yes exactly so i would i would almost kind of question the word motivated it's mm-hmm. more kind of like, what's the objective statement here? Like, my child isn't making friends. That's kind of what it is, right? Like, we just don't know the motivation level. So we assess, is there teasing going on? Are there mm-hmm. some sort of mm-hmm. kind of temperament or personality things? Like, maybe they're more um, shy, you know? Or to your point, maybe they don't know how. They don't have the skill set. Um, ask, maybe ask them if they're more comfortable in a one-on-one setting or in a group and and mm-hmm. maybe you can facilitate that, right? Like maybe it's just overwhelming when you go to the park. I, you probably have heard this too. I've talked to a lot of parents that oh. say, I don't know. They just, they didn't make any friends when they went to the mm-hmm. park. And well, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of kids. It's kind of chaotic. That's not necessarily how people make their best friends. You know, yes. maybe some kids are very outgoing and they just can very easily integrate into an ongoing play situation. That's that's just so impressive when kids can do that. But that's not how no. all kids are. Uh-huh. So maybe they're better and uh, they feel more comfortable in a one-on-one setting. And so maybe we can facilitate a one-on-one play date at the park or at somebody's house. Mm. So yeah, so I would say start with the assessment. What's going on here? Yeah, and, and you mentioned something that's really important. I think a big piece to this <laughs> is so kind of going back to like, they didn't make any friends at the playground, right? Like, sure. well, how long were they at the playground? Did they see these same kids time after time after time? Because that's a conversation I have with parents all the time. So they go to summer camp and it's like, they were only there for one week, but they didn't have make any besties. And it's like, well, sure. I mean, they were sure. only there for a week and there were 65 kids there. So, yeah. you know, the opportunity, sure. 
there's a lot of opportunity to make friends, but you know, okay. maybe they made a lot of acquaintances. But right. I think that it's so <laughs> along with doing the assessment, I think parents can take a, you know, kind of take a look at what what is their expectation, right? Mm, so yes. uh, what do you what do you think you can kind of define socialization or or how do you socialize as a parent? So what are your expectations for your child? And mm-hmm. then are they in line with your child? Right. So I think there's there's a lot to be done there. Um, yeah. And maybe level setting those expectations a little bit. Oh, that's such a good it's such a good point. Like if you're super social and right. you're expecting your child to act the same way, they might just inherently be you know diff- their own person. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've actually had this case a few times where parents have said to me like, "I'm so so extroverted, and my husband's so outgoing too," and but my kids are really quiet and reserved, and I wonder why. But then I so, you know sometimes I think like, well, maybe they're quiet in comparison to how you guys are, but maybe not mm-hmm. quiet compared to their peers, right? Right. So I think that, <laughs> I think it's it's really important as a parent to think about your own behavior. Yeah. And maybe the other side of that too, if you're naturally more introverted, right? And you naturally have just one good friend or, you know, your two best friends and you're not the one out there kind of, you know, talking to everybody. Well, then you're you're also modeling that for your kids. So mm-hmm. there's, there's that side of it as well. Right. Yeah. 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 Love it. And then kind of tackling a little bit of the, the skill deficit or, or building the skills to make friends, right? So thinking about ways to teach your child to actually make friends. I, I have this conversation a lot with families and I say, sometimes for kids, we have to be very clear on how to make a friend. And even mm-hmm. how, how how do you kind of scan the room at your first day of second grade and say, I wonder who I'd be friends with here. You heard a kid over there talking about cars. You like cars. Maybe you guys have things in common, but kids yeah. don't just naturally know how to do that. So sometimes we have to help them facilitate mm-hmm. like, ooh, this person might be interested in what I'm interested in. And how do we get there? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because we do have a lot of families that have kids that are navigating various social challenges mm-hmm. or developmental disabilities. And so times, you know, I think that the modeling and the more of the explicit teaching step by step is is needed in those cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think finally on this, I'd probably say creating the opportunity to make friends, right? So just giving as much opportunity as you can. And and I feel like one of the challenges here and this this writer might be saying is, you know, they don't want to be in it. They don't want to, (laughs) right? Maybe they're saying like they don't want to play soccer. They don't want to do baseball. They don't want to do, you know, those clubs. But I think finding what motivates your child and then putting them in that, right? So if they're really motivated by Legos, which my son is, I'm going to get him in the Lego camp, right? Because maybe he's going to make some friends there because they have similar interests. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. doesn't have to be a team sport per se. It could be Lego camp or it could be swimming, right? That's a little bit Uh more of an individual thing. But when you go to your class or you go to your camp, there are other kids that have similar interests and then it might be a little easier Mm -hmm. to uh, make connections. Right. 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 I think we've got two more to do so this one we're gonna switch gears and talk about teen land for a minute it (laughs) says i can't find anything that my teenager is passionate about they don't seem there's that word again motivated they don't seem motivated to do anything what should they do Mm, i can't tell you how many times i hear this one um (laughs) Well, my first thought is, what is anything, right? So they're not motivated to do anything. 
And I would usually, again, like you'd said, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe we need to do a mini assessment here. If they're not doing the things that potentially this writer wants them to be doing or thinks they should be doing, well, what are they doing, right? So what are they mm-hmm. doing instead? And oftentimes there's something that they're doing, but they're, and, and I guess it goes back to, you know, what what kind of makes them feel like they're important or makes them feel like they're, you know, they have some skin in the game, right? So I think yeah. that's that's a big takeaway for teens. And we talked about it last time. So okay. get buy-in and, and, you know, helping them have some autonomy here. So writing down, like, what are the things I would love for my teen to be doing, right? Write those things down. And then we have to say, okay, well, how are we going to to find some motivation for them to do those things? Mm-hmm. And then just kind of coming together to to help that align. Yeah, absolutely. This, we at tomorrow, um, oh, yes, one of our right. colleagues and I are, yeah, hosting a, a webinar on teens. And we do you know, dive a little bit more deeply into these foundational concepts like autonomy and values and self-esteem and things Mm -hmm. like that. So these things all come into play. Um, I think what you said, I'm going to piggyback off of that, helping them find opportunities to, you know, discover something that they really enjoy. If it truly Mm -hmm. is a motivation thing, then yeah, I mean, most people are motivated by something. And to our earlier point too, it may just not necessarily be something that you like to do or that you Mm -hmm. you want for them, right? But, you know, as parents, we can help them discover new things, give them opportunities, create um, exposure to new activities and, you know, sports or Mm -hmm. if they're not sporty, it's maybe it's art, maybe it's building something or, you know, um, doing something with their hands, whatever it is. have a conversation, do that assessment, um, maybe even help them create some goals for the month, you know, that align to their values, you know, mm-hmm. how maybe you want to try to um, work on, you know, getting healthier, right? So let's create some goals for yourself on how many times you're going to go for a walk or go for a swim or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but thinking about their values, their kind of core motivation, what they like to do and helping them explore that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so important. And I feel like, yeah, you nailed it in trying to figure out like how do we how do we help them create their goals, right? Like right. I think that's yes. that's kind of the big one. And I do have a I have a family I was working with and she had a medical condition. The daughter, teenager, has a medical condition and she has to exercise just to keep things mm-hmm. kind of regulated for herself. And this mm-hmm. was a big sticking point for this parent because like she could not get her daughter to do it. And we had to yeah. find the motivation. And it turns out that she liked like this this artist. And so we said, hey, could she just like do some moves to this artist's music? Could that count for like Isn't movement there? and exercise? She had like get her heart rate going every day. Um, and that worked. I mean, she was she was like, oh, she loves it. You know, it's so I think it's kind of sometimes you have to think outside the box. What's what's going to yeah. get them going in, in terms of if that, you know, exercise were that one, then that's, that's a good mm-hmm. example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Get their buy-in too, right? Well, oh yeah, you got to get their Your buy-in. Your version of like they the kids only have. That. You might want to go to like an aerobics class, right? And right. they're kind of like, I uh, want to go. Ski- can I skateboard instead? Sure. Yeah. 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 Do it. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Okay. All well, right. we've got one more. So this one, uh, sticking with the teenagers. So my sixteen-year-old has terrible hygiene. <laughs> when I push it. He seems like he resists even more. 
How can I get him to understand it's important? Uh, oh boy. Yes. <laughs> this is tr- this is tricky, but it's it's common. It's interesting because mm-hmm. we have some families where they yeah, they say, "Oh, they could care less." And then other families it's, you know, the kids are hyper focused on the deodorant yeah, that's and the load and that's a good point. So yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. I I believe there's some so there's definitely some social um pressure and dynamics mm. here. Mm-hmm. But um this really comes down to motivation, information, and then, like I said, social, right? Social mm-hmm. pressure. So yep. kind of getting at what is their motivation? Um, if they don't, you know, they don't seem motivated to do it, right? Um, that might be where we dive in to see what is their their information level? It was interesting. I think I, I shared with you when my daughter um, last year in fourth grade, they started the kind of human growth and development series. They show mm-hmm. the boy, the boy, at least in California, they show the the boy and 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 the girls' videos together. And they put a lot of emphasis emphasis not just on kind of the physical, like the puberty part, but, mm-hmm. but they also talked about taking care of your body. So mm. washing your face, putting on deodorant, making sure that you're taking the shower, making sure you're brushing your teeth, keeping like caring for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Which I was I was so glad that, to see that. So maybe you do, do need to dive in a little bit to information. Now, a 16-year-old may not want to have an infor- uh, informational meeting <laughs> about <laughs> hygiene with their mother, let's say, or whatever, but you can get creative. Maybe it's an older, cool cousin or mm-hmm. somebody else that they, maybe they can relate to them a little bit more and just kind of talk about, okay, this is what happens when we go through you know, this time of life. We, we need to put on deodorant, right? Um, mm-hmm. So- making sure that they've got at the education around it. And then social pressure as well is definitely a factor because naturally if you are, let's say, playing lots of basketball, you may not be aware of it, but mm-hmm. if you're not wearing deodorant, that will certainly have some implications for how others interact with you or mm-hmm. not interact with you. Right. Um, so if they are motivated by social, that is something you can get kind of integrate in there, right? Like, you know, we want to show up for school and, you know, we we want to be polite and not <laughs> be um, subjecting our friends to, you know, body mm-hmm. odor and things like that. Right. So, yeah, those are just a couple of things to to think about when it comes to hygiene. Yeah, yeah, I think it's so important to give them the why, and that's exactly what you're saying, right? Because we talked about this with <laughs> teens that if they're like, "What's in it?" You know, they're thinking, "What's in it for me?" Right, and they're not they're not naturally understanding the social consequences because you're right. Mm -hmm. Some kids, even at this age, don't care. And I I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from parents. They're like, okay, you know, he's 15 now, he's 16 now. I thought it would kick in, right? (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. he would care about that person in in the classroom. It's kind of, you know, giving him the eye, right? Um, And and that doesn't always kick in. So I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to give the information then and even helping kids see the end result of not brushing their teeth, for example, right? So like right. if you brush your teeth for the next four years, like what do you think is going to happen? Or I've had this one a lot with teens and washing their face. And I, mm-hmm. I even have a mom who went so far as to show her daughter a picture of like acne scars and said, mm-hmm. hey, like if you don't wash your face and you do get pimples and you don't take care of it, like here's the end result, right? This could happen. And it's not meant to scare them. It's just meant to give them information, just like you're saying. So Please go. I think mm-hmm. that's really important. And then one other th- one other thing I would add here is 
let's start small, right? So if our expectation, I, I usually tell parents like, think for a moment and think about what's my end goal? If I had a perfect, you know, high, my if my 16-year-old had perfect hygiene, what would that look like, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to paint that picture and then we're going to say, okay, now go back like, you know, <laughs> come back like 200 yards from that, right? Yep. And we're not there. <laughs> so, you know, let's now let's go to where we are and let's think about, let's just get one little bit better. So if your child is, let's say, showering once every two weeks, could we say <laughs> twice every two weeks, right? Like, could yeah. we get ourselves a little closer to the end goal? I think mm-hmm. that that could be, could definitely be a win there. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, uh, what we talked about before, but I think with with teens, you know, they don't want to feel like they're being nagged, right? So uh, I, have, I had a similar conversation this morning, um, maybe using some sort of technology to set the reminder, right? So it could be you could set your Alexa or something that says like time to shower, you know, or don't forget to brush your teeth, right? So, so the mm-hmm. nagging part could come from the device. Your teen could set it up. And then yeah. maybe we praise when it happens, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, you, hey, oh, you smell so good, right? You've got a shower. You're looking good today. You're looking fresh, right? And one of the cool mm-hmm. terms you might use with your team. <laughs> you're looking fly today, right? Oh, we're, yeah, that is we're not cool anymore. Showing our age there, uh, Kristen. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, what? no, I love that. Like taking the, it, putting the responsibility mm-hmm. on them them taking the onus, you know, u- using technology. I was also just thinking of very simple kind of environmental little mm. which could be maybe you remind them, hey, okay, just stick your deodorant in your backpack, right? Um, like if you yeah. don't, if it's not yeah. that big of a deal, but then if someone makes maybe a mean comment, no problem. They've got their deodorant right there. That's they smart. might be more inclined mm-hmm. to put it on. Or we, we work with so many kids that are you know, struggling with their executive functioning, kind of their organization, maybe forgetfulness, right? Mm-hmm. So they, if they just have a spare stick of deodorant um, or mm-hmm. a little mini travel toothbrush and t- toothpaste, that happens. I'm sure we've yeah. all, especially when we're younger, oh my gosh, I forgot to brush my teeth, right? right? Mm-hmm. So it's there. And I don't know, that social component really is quite powerful for a lot of kids. And if someone makes a comment, no problem, pop into the bathroom, mm-hmm. take your business and you're, and you're good to go. So, um, yeah, that might what? be another little simple thing that uh, you can do to kind of help them prepare. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good idea. I could envision it like my little, my hygiene kit, right? And then you just kind of yeah. pack it all. You got a little cute little case, you put it in and then you keep it mm-hmm. in your backpack. So smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's all we got that's for today. It. Yeah. Well, thanks for all the questions. I'm sure we'll do this again. This was really cool. And uh, we got a, a mixed bag of questions that was pretty yeah. pretty great. So yeah, I'm sure we'll do it again. But thanks for joining us on our 42nd episode of Behaviorally Speaking. On our next episode, we'll be talking about executive function. Until then, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You've been listening to Behaviorally Speaking with Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi, brought to you by Rethink Care. Find out more at RethinkCare.com. You can find past podcast episodes under the resources tab. We also invite you to subscribe, follow, like, and leave us feedback wherever you listen to podcasts. Your feedback helps us prepare topics and content for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day.